What's up, what's up? Another Thursday, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, The Football Academy. I'm your Zapoon with Braden tonight. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be back. It feels like it's been a really long time since I've sat here with you to do this. Um, so I'm ready to make some virtual dollars and uh, you know keep talking some football. Yeah, and just to remind everyone how this works, we bet a thousand virtual dollars every week on ten games, given the odds, and we try to give us give you guys the best insight, the best betting edge that we can, and even maybe some insights that. I guess, prop bets that otherwise you would have not known about. So moving on to the first game at the King Power, a heartbroken Leicester City team after that stunning loss at Aston Villa in Villa Park. Come in plus 150, I guess, favorites at that point, against Chelsea at plus 165, a draw at plus 265. Braden, is Jamie Vardy actually going to have a party? So I don't know. Like, I, I think of... Lesser in this game and it's not just this past game that they've kind of struggled a little bit Uh, it they've they're not in great form right now and they look like a team that maybe has lost a little bit of confidence a little bit of mojo I'm not sure what what it is but they're they're not playing up to the level that I would expect Lester to play or where they're where they are in the table at this point but don't you think this is something we have talked about over and over again about them having to play more than one game a week and also their underlying metrics just not lining up with how many goals they were scoring yeah you know I, so they, the the team they beat nine nothing yes they lost to at home yep so and yes southampton is ninth right now but like really like you cannot be losing those games so there is a crack that's appearing, and do you think Brendan Rodgers got this against a Frank Lampard Chelsea that also hasn't really done anything great? Like the uh, when Arsenal went down to ten, and now that you're here, we can actually talk about this. Yep, I I genuinely thought it could have been a five-one kind of a situation, and because I think that that's what like Arsene Wenger's last couple of years had made me think of Arsenal. And to see the fight and a couple of days before getting to know that Kante has not had a very good season yeah, and that slip just kind of epitomizing what kind of the season that he has had. It's been very interesting Chelsea because it's like they can't kill teams, but they have also risen to big occasions when they have been asked to. So, I don't know what I think. So to touch very briefly on that game, um, because it, it was it was something to really watch, especially when Chelsea went ahead to one in I think the 83rd minute or so. It seemed like that classic. We, we put an effort down to 10. We got the goal and then just gave it all away. But then, you know. My captain, Hector Bellerin, just, you know, rising to the occasion two days in a year from when he tore his ACL on that pitch against Chelsea and just coming in bearing us. Oh, it, it did my heart so much good to you, see you, that. You know, what's funny that uh, will text me Ars- like right after it's two, one, like he, Ar- Arsenal is still going to get something. And again, Chelsea being the old Chelsea, I'm like, nah, man, they're up a goal. 
at Stamford Bridge under the lights, like they pull out those games. Yeah. And again, the, it's a great goal. But again, Kepa, one of the worst save percentages in all of English league football. Kepa sucks. Like at this point, like Kepa is not a good keeper. You know, and you know why it gives me so much joy to say that about Kepa? Because last year I was defending my boy De Gea. Yeah. Being like, you know, form, it's like he was having a rough patch, but like he was still making good saves. And people are like, nah, man, Kepa's the future for Spain. He can distribute, he can do this. Like, and now Chelsea, look, even Thibaut Courtois, like, he's having a good season for Real Madrid out there. And like, Chelsea spending, what, 75, 65 million, whatever the fuck they spent on him. Like, one, I had never heard of Kepa before that. Yeah, I hadn't either. I mean, that probably speaks to us not watching La Liga as right, much, maybe. Right. But like, when you spend that much, like, I expect a little bit better than that. I completely agree, especially when you spend on a keeper. Like, it's yeah. one thing. It was. It's one thing when you know certain outfield players do or don't work out, and it's kind of just like this you is what it costs to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Kepa has not worked out. So, I don't know, though. Looking at these two teams in this game, I trust Chelsea a good bit more in this game than I do Leicester with the way they're playing. Like, Because I, I do think, to your point that you made just a second ago about Chelsea kind of rising to some of these occasions and looking better, I, 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 I do trust them more because of that. I'm going to go with 50 on the draw in this game because I, I don't necessarily trust them that much, but I do trust Chelsea more than Leicester. Um, you copied my bet because I was going to go with uh, 50 on the draw as well. I think Tammy Abraham's playing. I don't know how severe that injury was. Yeah. I hope it wasn't too bad, but I'm going to keep hammering this in about Frank Lampard. It is astonishing to me that a Chelsea board that normally is very proactive did not do anything this January. When not getting a striker with such a thin team could be the difference between them getting or not getting top four. So that's definitely true, especially since they had the transfer ban lifted. Yeah. Like it's it it almost makes me wonder if they have a few deals agreed in the summer and when they expected the transfer ban to be lifted. I think Sancho it a lot of people will say a lot of things. But I think Sancho, like, he had that Nike, like, academy open up in South London. Like, yeah. it seems like he wants to be there. And I, as much as he wants to stick it to Man City, I think other than us being able to offer more money, I don't think he would be a very good fit in Manchester United right now. So as much as we need him, I'm not saying we don't need him. I think he'll fit better at Chelsea. That's probably fair, yeah. And... um They normally don't make those short-sided moves. They made it last year for Gonzalo Higuain. Maybe mm-hmm. they don't want to do that same thing this year. But I think last year, because they did it, they ended up in the Champions League, in my opinion. Like, Gonzalo Higuain did win them a couple of games in the Premier League. The hat-trick he scored against Bournemouth. Yeah. Very I, important. Like, true. You know, yeah, yeah. The, and those... It, it was a, what, a point difference with you guys. Like, three points yep. from us. So, it wasn't that huge a gap. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think those are things to keep an eye out on about what they are doing. But again, a young team, no major signings, 
Maybe they go and get dre- uh, dress Mertens or something, but it's going to be interesting, especially with Willian being wanted by uh, yeah Barcelona. So I, I think it's a interesting that almost I f- I kind of wonder if Lampard feels that the core of this team is so like young and tightly knit that bringing in a big name signing like what is that what does that necessarily do to do you like Tammy Abraham? Do you want to see how he goes, how he develops? Like, do but you the, worry that bring in another, like, let's say Giroud is still there, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I guess it's not that. So don't go to Tottenham. <laughs> he might come to Man United though. Cause I'd much rather have that than Tottenham. <laughs> Cause I mean, he did always look better in red, but uh, yes, the other team in red, the cherries not having a very good time right now in the Premier League. We're not going to have the conversation about Eddie Howe because we know better. Um, Thank Bournemouth you. at plus 110 coming up against Aston Villa after their brilliant win at plus 250. I think everybody's expecting this to be their letdown game. And draw at plus 260. Brayden, are you yeah. confident? Also, the Cherries um, like thwarted a bid for Man United to go get back our boy Josh King. And I was just like, are we that desperate right now? Like, but so I mean, I, I don't like. I rate Josh King fairly highly. Like, I, I think he's a pretty decent player, and I think he's become a better player since he left Man United. Now, is, is he going to be a difference maker at Man United? Probably granted, not. Like, we but, had Hendrik Larsson for six months, and it worked out decent. So, like, you know, I'm not saying he's Hendrik Larsson good, but yeah, you never know with these loans. But I think for them, being able to keep him is huge. Yes. And especially with the players they're they're having back right now, with Nathan Ake coming back, with um, what's his face being uh, Callum Wilson. Yep. Um, I think they they are going to figure it out. And before you put down, this will be the first time I actually do this. Uh, I'm gonna put down a hundred dollars on Bournemouth to win the game. So um, I I'm also gonna go with Bournemouth. I I'm gonna put a little bit more down on Bournemouth. I'm gonna do one twenty five. Um, but I. To all of the points that you said, I think, first of all, let's get this out of the way. I think Bournemouth are going to be fine. I think they're getting healthy at the right time. And I think that you can just see in a couple of the results, not necessarily that they've gotten the points that they've needed, but I think some of the performances have been a little bit better recently. Um, And I think that you'll see with some of these guys coming back, the the work that uh, Eddie Howe put into... You know, we're going to play this way, even if it's not working right now. We're this is what this is who we are. This is what we do. I think when they increase their talent level that they have on the pitch with these guys coming back, I think you'll see that pay dividends because I think the entire team will be ready to play that instead of like reverting to some kick it long and chase type thing. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that uh, Eddie Howe had to answer during this period was, can he deal with adversity? I don't think he did a very good job at that, at being able to deal with it. But I think I'll say this, and people are going to laugh at me for saying this. Um, Pep Guardiola, after having spent all the money he has at Man City, Americ Laporte goes down and that defense is atrocious, to say the very least, for title challengers. Yeah, I mean, he's the only defender on that team. And... So when I look at Eddie Howe and the injuries that he has had, 
I think if he manages to keep them up, that's a very good job as a manager that he would have had done. I think so as well. Like, I So I tend to agree with you that Eddie Howe probably should have, when you're looking at a strictly points basis, I think Eddie Howe should have done better than he has in the last month or two or so. But I also think that he is going to come through it. And I think that Bournemouth are going to make it and stay up in the Premier League. And so... And I mean, this is a big game. And I think for Villa, especially with Dean Smith, yes, you can go in the Carabao Cup final. You're not beating City, in my opinion. No. So it, it, you still have to survive and you have to win this game. So it'll be an interesting test of character if they show up for this game at Vitality because kind of is a relegation six-pointer, you know? So Yeah, it's right there. I mean, for all that we want to talk about Bournemouth playing better, like they've got to get results now. Like yeah. They need to get points. So this is the crunch time. Another another two teams that are in crunch time football right now. Crystal Palace coming in hot at plus 210. Sheffield United and the boys coming in at plus 140. Draw at plus 210. This is a game that has fireworks written all over it. I feel like if if there's an early goal in this game... It is going to be one of those traditional English football like wars that you're going to see where both the teams are going in for every 50-50 ball because Sheffield United won that European football and they're signing um, uh, Sander Burge or whatever his name is from Norway. Uh, also, Norway is building quite the fucking team. Maybe yeah. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer needs to go manage that shit out there. <laughs> um, you know, they're showing intent and... They've got the best goalkeeper in, in the best English goalkeeper right now. And no, no love for Aaron Ramsdale for who I, I thought you guys missed this when you talked about this on, uh, on the pod Tuesday. I, I think Aaron Ramsdale deserve, deserves more talk than Dean Henderson. No, no. Just like in, when you were talking about like your top three English keepers, like I, I, I think you could make a good case for him over Nick Pope. I agree. But, not not to go back to Bournemouth. Yes. Like, we moved on. Sorry. But I guess, yeah. He he did a good job distributing the ball from back yeah, when he was uh, called upon. I think... The problem is, the, I don't think he's going to get enough fanfare to, like, get there. Because it, it's at the end of the day, I think Pickford's still going to be the number one for England. Yeah. And, and we talked about it on the podcast again, like, the Rob Green situation with Joe Hart. Like, credit where credit is due. Joe Hart was decent. Like at that point, and was probably the best English keeper, and so. Not going back to that, but what do you think of Crystal Palace? You think Wilfred Zaha has got some magic in there? So I, I don't. I think this is a game that Sheffield should control for the most part. I, I don't see that. Generally, I don't think that Crystal Palace have the massive advantage that you would expect on their home pitch. Like if you look at their at them last year. It's not as strong this year as it was last year, but last year they were pretty incredible away from home and then kind of mediocre um, at home. And so I I don't see them as having a huge advantage there. I think Sheffield have proven that they're, it, you know, for all the times that I've said, like, this is probably when Sheffield trip up, this is when they trip up, they just haven't done it yet. So I'm going to stop believing that's going to happen. Can I be honest, though? Sheffield United doing well makes me so happy because I was the first one to jump on that bandwagon. Yeah. On this podcast, I was like, yo, they play some exciting football. So I 
One thing about Chris Wilder that I do have to ask you is, do you think this is something that is, that can be replicated at a bigger club? Like, do you think players are going to get poached this summer and like stuff like that? Because you didn't really hear anybody get linked. Like, right. So, well, and so it's interesting because I don't think you generally when you have teams like this that are very surprising, you kind of hear about some things in January and you just didn't hear any anything. of that with them. Like not, not even the sort of like, oh, this team's pursuing they do them. They Arab owners though, just so that everybody knows. So I think if, if they do start getting European football, there could be more investment coming in. Hmm, that's yeah. just to keep in mind for everybody. And yeah, that's a fair point. So maybe they do um, believe in, you know, because I think especially in a league that is mismanaged with a lot of mismanaged big teams like Arsenal, United, Newcastle. You're having the Wolves and the Leicesters and not Sheffield United's who are coming in basically being like, yo, we can do this. We manage our club properly. Yeah, like it's it's a lot of it's a lot of laser focus on doing like just finding a small competitive advantage and just exploiting that. And just, we're going to be the best at all the things that, you know, we might not be able to go and sign, you know, 73 million pound Pepe, but like we can, we can maybe we can afford, afford the science. 45 million uh, Bruno Fernandez, yeah. you know, for yeah. poor clubs like Man United. <laughs> right. So. Don't, don't start that <laughs> bullshit. Uh, so, right, so with, with that, are you, uh, going to believe in Chris Wilder and the boys coming in from Sheffield. I'm going with 75 on a draw. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I realize I kind of talked a little bit of shit about Crystal Palace, but I, I do think that they, uh, Hodgson has them playing as a very keep games close. And so I, and I think Sheffield are very comfortable with that as well of playing a, a pretty tight game that uh, there's one goal either way. And when that when you have that, I kind of lean towards taking the draw and the generally better odds you get for that. So I do believe that I think it's going to end up in a draw, but just to disagree with you, <laughs> I'm going to put down $50 on Crystal Palace because it's the same odds. Fair. And yeah. I do think they might get a penalty or something at the very end to win the game. I can see that. Big game coming up at Anfield. Gone 19 points clear after the win against West Ham United. Liverpool coming in hot at minus 345, playing their under 23s, <laughs> aka Southampton football club, who are at plus 950, a draw at plus 475. I'm going to ask this question because Will's not here. Imagine Danny Ng scores the winner in this oh game. Oh my God. <laughs> Can we? Oh. Should I skip class Tuesday to to come in and just talk about Danny Ings all podcast if that happens? Should I do that? Can we if, can if we Ings record on Monday? A winner, yes. <laughs> if Ings scores a winner, we're definitely recording Monday. Emergency, emergency podcast recording because yeah. Oh. Is it going to happen? Probably not. No, no, it, it's not. Um I will say, though, when you look at these odds, the Southampton are better are in better form than plus 950 would indicate. Like generally, you would think that's a team that's almost a no hope team, but Southampton are playing well right now. That's not enough to get me to bet on them in this case. 
I, I don't know. I'm going to go with like 25 on the draw here just because I don't see the point in betting on minus 345 and, you know, making $30 back on 100, um, if that. But I don't, I, I do think, I do think that Southampton can get something from this game, even if I don't necessarily expect them to. I'm going to put it down. $25. What? Oh, Southampton. So, Danny's winner. I wonder what you could get for that. A parlay of... Oh, them, oh that, would, that would be amazing. I bet you could make a lot of money <laughs> on that. We, we will definitely update you on what those <laughs> odds are. But, I mean, as you said, like the odds for Liverpool are just not good enough yeah. like, to bet on. And... Like, Liverpool are going to win this game. I'm never making this bet. Yeah. Like, if in real life, I would never put that money in this game. Unless you're... Even, like... It, say if I had $100,000, right? Sure. Just a bet. Would I really put that money on Liverpool? Like, no. Because crazy things can happen in a f- game of football. Yeah. So... I mean, you could have, like, Van Dyke sent off. Yeah. And, like, oh, for God. some, like, crazy thing. And get suspended for the next 10 months. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> 10 months? <laughs> okay so, <laughs> so again one thing with van dyke i did not know is he's 29 like it, yeah. i keep forgetting it and i'm like yo he came in at the very right age to like be a be the player he was so maybe like people need to give some more defenders time like the rob holdings the because yeah. i look at even like chris smalling right now he's what 27 28 he's a decent defender yeah. You know, so it's... Well, and center backs can age... A, they're not not so much as keepers, but they have more ability to kind of change their game and what they do when they start to lose a step. Like, you know, Murdersacker didn't really have a step to lose to begin with, but, like, when he got older, it, it was much more about just reading the game, positioning good distribution, things like that. Like he could control a game, even if he wasn't necessarily like man, like one V one marking. It wasn't necessarily gonna be that great, but he would make the intercept. Like you wouldn't get the pass to, to four because he would intercept it. Yeah. Uh, and I think center backs can often reinvent themselves a little bit like that. As long as they've got the tactical, you know, switched on, you know, brain to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right though. Like that's he came. It's at something the to keep in mind. The center back. Yeah. And you know what? G- good job on Liverpool's part because I think City came in with a bit during the summer to like hike up his price, and Liverpool said no. And yeah, um, Van Dijk really wanted to leave and didn't end up leaving to City, and held on for six more months, and then finally ended up in uh, Liverpool colors. Which I mean. He would be like the third defender in a row that Pep Guardiola's tried to sign that has gone somewhere else. Because I think it was him, and then there was... Um, I forgot who... Uh, I think he tried to sign Evans one of these yeah. summers, and then, he, and then he really wanted Maguire over this summer. So it's kind of looking like he's struggling out there, but good on Liverpool for scouting that. I think Southampton, they're playing well, I know. But, like, it still doesn't feel like they're comfortable. 
in where they are because I can still see they're only a couple of injuries away from something going absolutely crazy. So they should be good. Hopefully they are good. But just for the jokes, let's hope Danny Yang scores the winner. Because what? Yes, I, I can't. Imagine. I just I want to be here for that. When when is that game? Like, like can, 10, we just, 10, yeah. can we just make sure that we're with Will when that happens? It, it, if that happens and I'm with Will. Yeah, the, the, uh, we will record something for this podcast right there. Yes. But moving sorry, along man. to the game at the Sports Direct Arena, Newcastle United plus 120 against Norwich coming in at plus 230, a draw at plus 240. How do you see that go, Brayden? Uh, this is... This game's pretty gross. Just all the way around. I don't... I don't necessarily know that... So, Newcastle are probably an overall slightly better team than Norwich are. I don't, I don't necessarily that they are going to dominate this game or anything like that but I think that they should probably New, Newcastle should probably win this game all, all things being equal that said giving the odds like at plus 230 I'm going to go with $50 on Norwich just because I do think it's a game they can win like you can get you know if Pookie can get on one of those one of those center backs one on one he can beat them Like, and I don't they're probably going to score off a set piece and I'm probably going to go. It's so unlikely that you score off a of set pieces and then watch, you know, the Matt Ritchie kick a ball <laughs> in there and like perfectly go straight off a of center back's forehead, like Lachelle's or someone and just watch them bury it again and be like, Oh yeah, it's, that's yeah, literally all they do. So what am uh, I even talking about? <laughs> it It's weird the way Newcastle have set up overall. But I also think Norwich just feel like a team that can rise to an occasion like this to get a get a goal here yeah. and there. And again, one of the, one of my favorite players right now in the country is Todd Cantwell, another player like I think should get a little bit more hype than he's getting. But he can break down the defense. I think Newcastle are going to end up scoring one way or the other. They have done some stupid shit. Yeah, at St. James this year. So I, I will also say that I think that the games that Newcastle are generally better in are not necessarily games against the biggest teams, but kind of that level just below. So like, like our teams, I right know, now. Arsenal, yeah. Man United, Chelsea, <laughs> Wolves, whoever. Yeah. Like the teams that like kind of want to dominate the ball but aren't really don't have the quality enough to like do that for ninety minutes. Yeah, straight. but still, but think that they can. Yeah. At least they try to. Yeah. yeah. Like th that's what they set out to try to do, but they're not a they're not a city, so they can't actually do it. Um but Norwich aren't that team. Like Norwich are pr plenty happy to hit you on a quick counter and you're done. And so I don't know that Newcastle really have the drive to go and take control of this game. And I think that plays well for Newcastle or not Newcastle, for Norwich. Yeah, and I think that it could turn out to be a decent game to watch. But I I just see that Newcastle can take advantage of Norwich not being very good at set pieces. I agree. So 100%. Um, moving along to the next game, another entertaining one, I guess, between Watford, 
who are coming in at plus 175 against Everton Football Club at plus 165, a draw at 225. What's up? Uh, um, this is just another gross game. Uh, I This is a situation where I think that Everton are the better team. I don't necessarily know that I know that, but just watching recently, I think... It it feels like Everton should be a better team than Watford are. That said, when you watch Watford in some of these games recently, like they they have some quality that they're starting, but they're starting to show. Like uh, Sar on the right wing has been really really good, in my opinion. Like, and he's one of those like he's never he's never the flashy pick like a De La Feu. He's never like the hardworking, lovable like kind of shit but also score goals Troy Deeney like he's not those guys but he's just he goes out there and it's just you look at his stat line after a game it's like a goal assist like six crosses like two chances created like he just fills up the stat box with a whole bunch of different things and I think he's really really valuable for that team and I think it's one of the kind of unheralded pieces of Watford kind of turning a corner and, and starting to get some results is that SAR has been really, really good. And Everton have obviously started stringing together some results. And there was a 85, 85, 80 million bid for Rich Hollison from Barcelona. It, and Is that a real thing? I mean, it got reported by Sky, so I'm assuming it, there was some concrete evidence for that. And I agree that he's a very decent player, but like Barcelona also got to figure out their nonsense because they keep spending, they spend 140 on Coutinho, 140 on Dembele. Neither one of them plays for them regularly. Like, yeah. So, but I I, I like Richarlison. And the only reason I bring that up is because I think Richarlison has a quality to win this game for them. I think it's fair. Yeah. And Richarlison was a Watford player. This is a revenge game, right? Ooh. Um, so, all right, I'm going to go with 100 on Everton. It just, it hurts as I say it, because I, I have no faith in this, really. But, because I, I really see all three of these outcomes as pretty likely. Like, I, I, there's not one where I say that, oh, this is the dominant outcome that I think will happen. I can really see any of these happening. Just because it's a home game, I am going to go with Watford with $125. I can just see Dini win it or like somebody at the very end come out and win it. We got West Ham Brighton coming up and we got the big games in Man United, Wolves, Burnley, Arsenal, and Spurs, Man City coming up in the second segment of this podcast. And we'll be back with some more betting analysis, and we'll see you on the other side. What's up, guys? Back with the second segment of this podcast. Back with a very interesting game between the Hammers and the Hoves from Brighton. We got West Ham United at plus 160 after taking the thrashing from Liverpool at home, hosting Brighton at plus 175, a draw at plus 
235. Is David Moyes going to have a party, sir? Um, no. Uh, I don't... I don't really like West Ham in this game. I think that... I, I like what Brighton are doing. I don't necessarily... It's really hard to tell with them. I, I think they play a lot of good football. I don't think they've gotten some of the results that they need to get. But I, I think that they... I think they do play a good brand of football. The last week against Bournemouth, they missed three big chances. I think they're maybe they're, they're creating, they're just not finishing. I think Mape gets on the end of one, and I think that I think that they win this one. So I'm going with 150 on the Hoves, Jay Z's Hoves <laughs> of Brighton. Um. The only reason I'm not confident in Brighton is because they don't play very well outside of the Amex. And that is the precise reason I'm going to go with $100 on West Ham United. I think at home, they need a result. And I think for a lot of teams, getting this result before the winter break can be that like, hey, for the next two weeks, let's get together or one week for West Ham. I don't know what it is, but let's get together and then we'll be good. And I think... (sighs) I think David Morris can pull this one out. I'm I'm just going to put this out there. All right. Coming up, the last game on Saturday, I have a big smile on my face. Is Bruno Fernandes going to make his debut at the Theatre of Dreams, Manchester United plus 125, playing the team that they seem to be always playing in Wolverhampton Wanderers, coming in at plus 240. That are very good odds for a team that is... I think very good and a draw at plus 225. I'm going with $100 on Wolves just to put this out there. And I will explain my pick after Brayden gives us his insight. Yeah, so I look at this line for Wolves and I'm kind of... Like, I understand it's Man United at home. You, ex- it I wonder how little- much it changed after we signed Bruno Fernandes. That's a good point. I wouldn't... You wouldn't have thought it would change that much, though. I think it do. It does, though. Because if you're if you're somebody who is high on United on in this game, you see this guy who has created and who has done these things for his club. You think he, it's it's like the perfect occasion. It's a right before the winter break. It's at home against a team that United's really struggled against. Because if he comes out and like scores a goal to win the game or something like that, in like that's instant legend status. For like the next five years, he might score a couple of goals, but Bruno FC is gonna be there with Man United. I mean, I, I can't get behind instant legend status, but I, I do see what you're I do see what you're getting at there. Um so I'm, just so everybody knows, I'm not behind that instant lead status either. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with 175 on Wolves in this game. I think they're currently. I we've talked about this with Wolves all year. They get up to play these games. They want to play these games. I think that they show up and get a result here because I think they have. You'll have Williams lined up against Adama Traore. Do you like that matchup? So I'll give you an interesting tidbit. 
from the two League Cup game uh League Cup games we yeah. played against them. Oh League Cup no, it was the FA Cup game, I think. Um we lined up Brandon Williams against Adama Traore at the Molyneux. It ended nil nil. Okay. The next game, both of them started. And Traore got moved to the other wing. Hmm. Okay. And I feel like there is Adama Traore, I think, is a very good player. And don't like whatever I'm going to say is going to get clipped up if somebody really wants to clip it up about Adama Traore. But I think there is that. I don't think we're that popular yet. I mean, sure. <laughs> One day when we are. Yes. There's always hope. Um, I think there is that something missing in that final ball and like the, the final quality where. I feel like somebody like Kieran Tierney, who just doesn't take bullshit, like he'll fall off, he'll fall off, here's my tackle. Or Aaron Wambasaka, he'll fall off, he'll fall off, here's the tackle. Kind of like fullbacks. They're not going to have a problem with him because they're not going to go like body him up like everybody else does. Because they'll just give him the space and be like, all right, run past me. And you're not good enough to just like Messi or somebody to like have the ball glued to your feet. And I think it's one... and. This, watch me say this and him go tear up Old Trafford on uh, Saturday. But it's one of those things where I think the players I'm more scared of in these situations are a Ruben Neves, uh, Yamutinho, because they have that X factor where it's, say, United's winning 1-0. Ruben Neves just bends one in from 30 yards on and it's all of a sudden 1-1. One, yeah, one. yeah, for sure. You know, so th- those are things I would be more scared of, especially at Old Trafford. And we haven't beaten them. Like, and that's one of the frustrating things. Like, when we used to play Spurs a lot, like, it was good because you slap them around. But, like, I when know. you're playing Wolves, it's like, they, they beat City at Eddie Hat, so, like, they're a good team. Yeah. And so you got to take them seriously. So my $100 on Wolves is precisely based on the fact that I think they can go out there and win. And the odds are very good at plus 240. I'd go with Raul Jimenez to score at least one goal. Yeah, I, I can certainly see that. I, so going going back a little bit to Dame Troy, I kind of agree with you that maybe some of, I don't necessarily want to say the hype because he's delivered, but I think I think people have maybe been quick to turn him into a player that he's not quite yet. Like I, I think he's I think, I think he's, he's very a, good. Yes, he's a very good wing player who is a problem, right? Like he's a problem yeah. on that wing. And there were a couple times in the Liverpool match where you just saw him and you know, Robertson just kind of like watched him run past. As but Robertson has not had a good season. No, no. overall. And in whenever Robertson is defending, it's a bad thing because he is not yeah. a defender. Like just same he, with Trent. Almost yeah, they are attackers. They are yeah. not defenders. That like at Liverpool, fullback is an attacking position. It's not a defensive. And so, like, whenever they were able to get Traore on Robertson and, and driving, like, it, it was a problem for Liverpool. I don't necessarily know there'll be the same problem for you I guys because I think that I, I don't think that you are so focused on fullbacks just like bombing forward. And so, Ole also took off Luke Shaw, kept on um, yeah. Brandon Williams in the midweek game. I, I mean, Brandon Williams is clearly a better like. So is you it because, should be giving these minutes to Brandon Williams. Do, do you think that was because Brandon Williams is a better player? Or is that his way of saying, um, 
we're down to 10. It's 1-0. I don't want to use Luke Shaw for the last 30 minutes. Granted, given that you're down to 10, you keep your better player out there. So, Granted, I, I, I mean, it, it's like in the history of football, if they're like three greatest left backs in the world, it's like Paolo Maldini, Roberto Carlos, and then Brandon Williams in my books. So, <laughs> okay. I'm taking a bull spot today with the hot takes. Fair enough. Okay. But I, I mean, again, like I love his attitude, but yeah. I, I just don't know. And it, it, Harry Maguire is one player I do want to mention before this game. The performance he has put up, like since becoming the captain. Yes, we lost against Liverpool. That I, I'm gonna say that was a one 0 loss with the like the last minute goal that happened. Yeah, yeah. It's a very encouraging performance for Manchester United. Like. The team we can put out, we're putting out, and they have done very well. And if, for United's sake, if they get a win on Saturday, it could be huge for the morale coming back after the winter break. I could say that, yeah. You get a boost from Bruno coming in. If you can get this win, all of a sudden everything changes there. I, I still think that United are kind of a fundamentally broken team in the sense of the way that they're constructed. Kind of the same way that like Arsenal has a tragic flaw of, you know, no real center backs and, you know, smoke and mirrors in midfield. Like it's, it, it's like we have a good attack and nothing else. Um, if you like combine United and Arsenal, you might have a decent team out there. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so like, I think you guys are kind of a fundamentally broken team that Bruno goes a long way. Like Bruno is a great first step to fixing that, by the way. Like, I think he, he has a lot of what you guys have been kind of crying out for. And maybe you can kind of end this dependence on whenever Pogba comes back from sulking. I, th- like, I think one of the things that people have to realize with Bruno, in between now and the end of the season, he gives me seven goals and assists, all competitions. I'd be more than happy with that return. Yeah, for the next six months, like on like four months. So people need to realize that, yes, he scored those, like not scored, but like he was involved in those 51 goals and assists. That was a Portuguese league. Yes, he did well in the Europa League. Like you guys played sporting. He wasn't really as impressive in that game. But there's something for United fans to be happy about. But the thing that they need to keep in mind, and I'm reminding myself this, is what we were waiting for is when McTominay comes back, when Pogba comes mm. back. All of a sudden, you have options. Yeah. All of a sudden, when you're playing a small team, you can be like, I right, Matic, there isn't going to be a lot of defending to do. You play DM. And you put Bruno and Pogba out there. And at that point, they're going to create enough to score. So I think it is looking up and up. And Solskjaer's four signings have been there. And again, it's about trusting the band, trusting the process. And Pep Guardiola with huge words for Manchester United after the game where he praised, like, handpicked five players to praise, handpicked Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to praise. So there seems to be something going right, even though the fans don't think seem to think so right now. Well, so I will, I will say this, because I think Arsenal are going through a lot of the same things, where when you look at your club from such a close view, when you know everything about it, you know, everything that goes on, you can really just get so consumed with how terrible things are that you, it can be difficult to take a step back and be like, but at the same time, there's a way out. Like there's a, 
if if you if a few things go right with a few signs, you move a couple people out, you get a few signs. All of a sudden, the team looks very different. And I think you guys are very close to that because you have, you've got. I think we have a blueprint out there. Yeah. And the the reason I get pissed off with like this Ole out nonsense is because you know what? What I is have, it gonna fix? I have a feeling, and this is like my wild wild guess out there. Woodward's job at this point is tied to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's success. I have a feeling if Solskjaer gets fired, that's four managers under Ed Woodward that have not worked out. And I think the Glazers, and there have been reports about them taking more interest in the footballing side and why it's not working out and stuff. It's basically telling Ed Woodward, be like, yo, you sort this shit out or it's gonna something bad is going to happen. And I think if Bruno hits the ground running, and Pogba comes back and we have McTominay back and all these things happen. I think come um, March, April, May, they can finish top four still. So yeah, for sure. So I think this game could hopefully provides a good bouncing pad for everybody. But we shall see how that goes on. Talking about bouncing pads, somebody that's definitely going to need it, our Arsenal Football Club playing against Burnley. With all the situational talent football that Burnley is going to bring. They come in hot at plus 275. Arsenal, even odds and a draw at plus 250. How do you see this go, Braden? This is a little bit of a tough one for me because I, I look at Arsenal right now and I look at the healthy center backs we have, which are David Luiz and Socrates. And we're lucky that those are two center backs that are decent in the air. <laughs> Because that's what Burnley are going to try to do to us is score off of their set pieces. But, man, you just look at the rest of the team and I I don't... I'm very concerned about us being poor at what Burnley are good at. That said, I I think we're a better team than Burnley. I think we should take the game to them. I think we're... I think Burnley are a little bit of a mess right now and a little bit of an identity crisis. And I'm not sure that they necessarily know who they are. Um, I have some concerns that playing Arsenal could be the catalyst to find who they are because Arsenal kind of have the reputation of being a little soft. Burnley have the... uh, Burnley take a lot of pride in, in kind of pushing around the bigger boys and that sort of thing. Uh, similar to Wolves, but like Wolves just trying to... In a different way. Yeah, in a very different way. Like Burnley relishes the physical challenges more than Wolves do. Wolves just want to beat you. Um, As far as the best game, I'm going to go with 100 on Arsenal because I can't not do it. Um, My heart won't let me, but I'm, I'm not real confident in this. I can see... I can see a draw for sure. So that's where I'm putting my money with $100 on the draw. I think the way I see this go is one of the teams getting a lead and the other team clawing their way back. And Arsenal, for all the good things that are happening, are still a very young team. And I just think Burnley is going to have just about enough to get a draw at home. So that would where. That is where I would go. I would put some money down on uh, one of the Burnley defenders to go out there and score, to be very honest with you. 
that's that's not a bad call. Like you would get good odds for that, and that's someone. I mean, you could see that. You could even if you wanted to hedge that a little bit. Like Chris Wood's a guy who can also get on the end of a set piece, but also, you know, maybe gets just on the end of an open play header or that sort of thing. Um, either of those are pretty good calls, I think. I would definitely hope so. So that is going to be a good game to keep an eye out on. But the big game of the weekend, the final game of the weekend, Tottenham Hotspurs hosting Manchester City. Spurs coming in at plus 450. City at minus 180. A draw at plus 345. We, It feels so weird. And I'm not going to lie. Like We began this past decade with Mourinho and Guardiola being the hottest rivalry in club football and because they were managing the Classicos at the time. And now those you were see... terrible games. Those were terrible games. I, I Just to be on the record, I, I absolutely hated when everyone goes I mean, crazy but, about it. Like Because everybody would just go run to the ref and yeah. anything happen. Okay, that I've said what I needed to say about that. <laughs> but Sorry. Now to see Jose Mourinho... With Tottenham Hotspurs out of all teams, I never expected that in my life. To be hosting a Pep Guardiola team with Man City, where I think for Jose Mourinho, this could be like a prime opportunity. You win this game. It's kind of like a final dagger into Man City and their, I guess, the dwindling title hopes that they have at this point. Just to be like, you're out of it. Stop. And this could be one of those Mourinho times where he wins the game one and lands like, yo, the greatest one that I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I, so you mentioned dwindling title hopes. Like uh, the way City have played recently, I'm not even necessarily sure that they're. I to say they're not trying to win the title is not correct, but I don't think they think they can win the title. I, I, I don't think so either. Like a month ago, I would have given you a different answer to that question, but I think at this point. Liverpool would have to lose what? They would have to lose like six or seven games. Yeah, this point they would have to lose six games and they would still be a point clear. Right. Like if City won six on the trot and a team that hasn't lost it all this season lost six games in a row, they would still be ahead by one. I I just, I don't know. They've lost one game in the last two seasons so far. So like. Yeah. So, I mean, why would like anyone realistically, think that- this is the first time I would look at an Arsenal fan and be like, uh, "So we're gonna wait until there's ten games left. When there's ten <laughs> games left, we can talk about it. Um, up until then, it's kind of just a periphery. It's a concerning one. I mean, uh, I really need Shrewsbury Town to knock them out of the FA Cup, man. Like, imagine they win an invincible trouble. <laughs> invincible trouble." Yeah, no. I, I, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> and have to hear about this, like, invincible treble, international treble, like, the world sex tuplet. Like, no. I do not need that in my life at all. I can't imagine how you feel about this. I mean, it, you know what sucks? They're a good team. And I want to give them credit, right? But the problem is, 
when you when you hear anything about them it's like the greatest thing that's ever happened and you know what they are doing something that's crazy like they have 70 points in january and yeah. that is fucking wild yeah but like maybe it's just a rival talk where it's just like ah, they're gonna win the first premier league title like ah, it's done but it feels much more like a leicester city year than it does like a man city 100 points here like everybody else is bad man city is not playing up to their standard where you expect them to be and you have traditionally bad years for arsenal united chelsea and spurs and newcastle you and you have what leicester city having a decent year so i'm gonna throw this out there and this may be a little bit of a hot take and and so just to just to clarify this, this has nothing to do with Liverpool not being good. Right. I think they're the best team in Europe right now. Just to put this sure. out there. Yeah, yeah. Like I am not taking because you still have to go out there and beat teams because most of the other Correct. teams don't. Correct. So credit to Liverpool, but I think overall, as when I look at the league right now, I just don't see the people call it parody, and I call it shit football right now because it is bad football at times. Like. There was a time when I would watch a relegation six-pointer. And right now, there are very few relegation six-pointers that I really want to watch because I think there's going to be better football elsewhere. Hmm. So I don't necessarily know where to go with that. Um, so my hot take that I'm going to get to is I think that the Liverpool team last year was, was a good bit better yeah. than this year's Liverpool team. They were playing... They were playing better than this year's Liverpool yes. team. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, this year's Liverpool team, and I'm not... I am not trying to take anything away from them, but there's a lot of... You brought it up in the game... On the Man United-Liverpool game, where that game was essentially a 1-0 win that, you know... All right, Allison had a great, you know... A great goal great, to end the yeah, game. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it's not a... For all intents and purposes, that was a one nil that just happened to have a 93rd minute winner that whatever. But Liverpool aren't completely dominating games like it seemed like they were last year. Yeah, I mean, I think last year... They're winning games. The And I think that's the difference between being a great team and being a title-winning team. And And the funny part is, you say, like, I would say that, but then, if that is a quality that your team just doesn't possess the next year, you don't win enough. So, but then again, I I'm, I'm a child of Sir Alex Ferguson in this Man United um, in those Man United years where he played some shit football and like 90th minute winner Berbatov, Ronaldo, like Nisselroy, and I'm I'm familiar. <laughs> also, fuck off. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Talking back to back when we we competed for the Premier League titles, I know, right? Um, but yeah, and I think for so bringing it all back to Man City and Spurs, I think the the reason we bring up we have to bring up Liverpool every time we talk about City is because nobody ever expected there to be a gap this big. Correct, and it's astounding that nineteen points. Is the gap in January? This feels like the Man United team that fin- that finished second with Mourinho, and with the odds given, I'm I'm looking at Spurs with the couple of signings that they made. Like, yes, Eriksson's gone, but Eriksson wasn't contributing a lot. Also, fucking Inter Milan out there is basically like EPL rejects. 
Yeah. It, literally a team of EPL rejects sprinkled upon with some Italian and Argentinian pride. And you're like, All right, here we go. We're going to win this area. I mean, at least they're doing the player rejects and not doing the AC Milan <laughs> and taking the executive rejects. <laughs> yeah. So that, I guess there's a reason why they're ruling sans hero right now. But Spurs at plus 450 kind of give me hope that they might be able to do something. What do you think, Braden? So it's a it's a good line for Spurs, right? Like plus 450 at home. It's for everything that you said, I think that in talking about City and are they are they actually trying to win the league and are they actually trying to what Just what are they really on the Champions League? Yeah, yeah, what are they really trying to do? Right? The Carabao Cup, baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, see, like it, it would be the exact Pep Guardiola thing to do, right? Where Liverpool win the Premier League, City get a treble, win the Champions League. Yeah, like I, I could see that, and this just kind of I really just like don't that. want to see that. I uh, no, I'm sure you especially don't want to see that because I feel like you know winning the Champions League. <laughs> And it's going to sound really bad because you guys don't have one either. But it, it kind of gives you legitimacy at this point, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like when Chelsea won it, like it was their like a legitimate stake in there. And I don't think City has earned it yet to I, like be up there. I, I know the exact argument you're making because last year in the Champions League final like was very nearly the worst day in Arsenal Football Club history. Like not very nearly because in the third minute that game was over. I, I would have like, I would have loved to record like if that game was close, just like you and me talking about it, because we would be on like polar opposite sides with all the our teams even being a part yeah, of that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I totally understand what you're saying here, where it's like a the worst, absolute worst thing, and. Ugh. So I'm going with 150 on the draw in this game. So I've got I've got 150 left. This is the last game. Um, we'll go with the draw because I, for the reasons you stated, I don't necessarily know that. I don't know what to expect from City. I don't know what I to could, expect from I Spurs, can, to be honest. Yeah, I can see a 3-0 City win. I can see a 2-2 draw. I could see a 2-1 Spurs win. I can see all these things. I'm I'm going to go with three hundred dollars what I have left on Tottenham, um, because of their one because of their odds and yeah. two. <laughs> City had problems with Dan James and Martial uh, this past weekend, and I'm not assuming like Otamendi is going to play again, but Human Song has that pace and the quality. So I think if you give him just enough space, he can go and like take advantage of it. So I and it's very Mourinho like where if he can put the put one of the daggers in there on Pep Guardiola's English career, like he would really love to do that. Yeah. And for this sure. this feels like an occasion because people have doubted Mourinho. Like, let's be real, like Mourinho hasn't had a very good time at Spurs, lost to Chelsea at home. So this is a big home game and a big home test for them. And I think City left their awe at, at, at Eddie had when they played Man United on the pitch. Like, De Bruyne played 90 minutes. You saw Bernardo Silva play for a long time. They even put on David Silva and shit. So, like, Aguero was playing for a long time. So, they did use a lot of their starters that they're going to in this game. 
So I just think Spurs will have just that extra bit to go in there and win the game. I can see that. On Sunday. I, I don't... If these were real dollars, I would probably stay away from this game. I, I don't... Uh, I mean, if it were real dollars, I would actually put money down on like a... Um, like a Laporte scoring or like one of those crazy... Because... Spurs, let's be honest, like Spurs of Pochettino early in the season almost beat them. Yeah. And I mean, granted, Man City also almost beat them with the handball Laporte goal that got taken away. So I think if they both play up enough, it's going to serve us a very good game. Yeah. And I th- I think Spurs are going to have just enough to <laughs> nick it. I think that's fair. But with that, it brings us to an end on this Thursday segment of this podcast. We'll be back uh, next week reviewing and previewing the upcoming games. There's a long, like, not a long, I guess. There's a winter break coming up that's going to work in a very English manner, which you don't really <laughs> understand. But Jurgen Klopp popped off about that. Just like four. <laughs> Just like VAR. So we will see you guys on the other side next week. Cheers, guys. Bye, guys.